There's a cathedral in Copenhagen that has an alcove dedicated to Job, that ancient biblical figure whose name is synonymous with pain and trouble and the human perplexity over evil in the world. You can visit that little alcove and you can pray there. It's a place that's meant to be an invitation for uh, people wrestling with grief, uh, struggling with challenges and, and, and facing their troubles, but facing those troubles with God. In that little corner, in the shadows, as you sit there and pray, you become very aware of an inscription on the wall. It says, we believe that our God is more than able to harbor our little lives with all their, their challenges through the dark troubles and out the other side. It is under that banner of hope that we are invited to pray. I want to invite you to that little alcove today. Not the literal one in Copenhagen, but that space, that place which, in, which can exist in all of our lives. It can exist in your lounge room, a space where you can go and be with God and connect. I want to invite you into uh, an experience of deepening prayer. That little alcove can exist on your neighborhood walk. It can be in the nursery in your home. It can be around your family table. It can be uh, on, on the veranda in the garden. A place where you can be conscious of God and pray. I want to encourage you to pray more fervently and more frequently in this incredible season that we are facing together as we confront a, a pandemic in our world. To pray more fervently and to pray more frequently. You ask me how? Well, pray prayers of petition. Ask God to be with those whom you love and with those whose stories that, that you hear that, that, that perplex you or, or burden you. Ask God's love to be present with them. Pray prayers of confession. Bring your brokenness and your wrongs to God and ask for forgiveness. Pray prayers of praise and thanksgiving. Find those blessings in the challenges that we're facing and, and lift prayers of thanks to God. And pray prayers of lament. Lament is where you confront God with the truth and pain that you're facing. You acknowledge he's creator, he's Lord of all, but you tell him what's really troubling you. Sort of the way Jesus did on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see the, the power of lament in those words and how he anchors it with a reference, this is my God. Know him as your father, know him as the Lord, know him as the creator, but speak truth in his presence. I want to encourage you to pray more frequently and more fervently. And as you do this, I can predict that you're going to have an experience that is common to us all. You're going to run out of words. You're going to be praying for people that cross your path that you really want to, to lift up before God. And you, you won't have the right words. You'll run out of words when you try to confess your sin and not know what to say. You'll get tongue-tied in the midst of your praise and just empty of the right words when you seek to lament. I want to encourage you to pray more frequently and more fervently, but today I want to teach you about praying when you don't have the words. Would you listen to the scriptures being read to us by Amanda from the book of Romans, where Paul is instructing that church about the incredible glory that is in front of us and the help which the Holy Spirit gives to us in the midst of our prayers. Today's reading is from Romans 8, verses 18 to 28. 
Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. All creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, also groan to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Now that we are saved, we eagerly look forward to this freedom. For if you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. As the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. In that wonderful scripture reading, we see Paul describing a cacophony of groanings. And we are a part of that, that mixed up crazy choir of praise. As Paul describes that, he, he, he talks about the power of this, this way of posturing before God in, in devotion, fervently and frequently, when you've run out of words. I want us to notice two things in that Bible reading. First, that the groanings that Paul is speaking of are not groaning in despair, it's groaning in hope. He reminds us of, of this, this sort of threefold picture, that the creation is groaning in pains, that Christians who've tasted what will be in Jesus Christ are groaning for that future, and that the Holy Spirit of the living God indwelling believers is groaning, and this is, this is a, a gift to us in our prayer journey and in our prayer life. This is not a groaning in despair. This is not a facing the challenges and things have collapsed and I can't see where it's going and I'm stuck and I'm empty and I've just come to the end of myself. I've been a stoic, I've been trying to do my best, but I just can't hold it together anymore. I'm losing it. That's not what's going on here. This is an experience of groaning that is at the end of our words in communion with God and at the beginning of something intimate and deep and powerful and beautiful. It's not, it's not groaning in despair, it's groaning in hope. And so Paul gives us the image of the birthing room. He says that the creation is in pain as if it were a birthing suite about to give birth to God's new kingdom. And believers experience the pains of this world and the troubles and challenges and the brokenness of where things are in the light of resurrection and new hope. And our groaning is for that future. It's leaning into that future. 
And so also is the groaning of the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's the most natural thing in the world to pray and run out of words. And that's not when you stop praying. Often that's when you start praying to just sit there quietly in God's presence, to let the dark things of this broken world touch you deeply enough that it draws up from your soul what you really long for. And for the Christian, this stirs up the hope of salvation, of eternal life, of God's redemptive touch in the lives of the people around us, of of new creation. And as Christians step into this hope and wonder, Paul's amazing promise is that this will affect all of creation. The creation is groaning and in pain as it waits for the glory of God to be revealed in the sons and daughters of the kingdom, who when they are adopted into fullness and given their new bodies and rise up to new life, will bring a newness to the whole creation. This is an incredible picture of leaning into God's future. So what do you do when you run out of words? You're praying for a friend that you love and you just don't know how to say it. Will you just sit there in God's presence and let Let those emotions stir. Let your intellect stir and go deep into the places where your heart is in tune with God's heart. And just let let prayerfulness rise up out of that space. Sometimes you sit in silence. Sometimes there's literal groans. But of this you can be confident. The Spirit of the living God is at work in your heart, interceding through you and with you with wordless groans, the Scripture says, in the presence of the living God. When you're lost in the troubles and challenges, you might be facing some real anxieties and stresses. I know that many of you are facing dark challenges in this COVID-19 season. Many of you have lost jobs. There are consequences of being isolated and mental health challenges. And when all of that is pressing in on you, call out to God. And when you don't have the words to speak, just let it come out as, as, as a groan, as weeping, as silence. And know that in the mystery and beauty of God's work in your life, the Spirit, the living Spirit of God is at work in you. Wordless groans that he prays in the presence of God. I want you to notice as we study this passage in Romans chapter 8, first of all, that these groans that Paul calls us to are not groans of despair and hopelessness and defeat. This is groaning in hope. And he frames this whole thing up as a birthing suite. That's the context in which we bring all of our pains and the, the, the anxious thoughts about where we are in this season. And the second thing I want you to notice is that these groanings that we're invited to understand and enter into, we groan in company with God. It is not a picture of a Christian all by themselves, sort of tucked away somewhere, lonely and weeping. Paul actually depicts the whole of creation groaning, the whole of God's family groaning, and the spirit of the living God himself groaning. And so this, this, this picture of living in the pain of life and being honest about things and facing what hurts us and lamenting, but with incredible hope, We do in community and we do in the presence of a loving God who who suffers with us in the midst of our pain. This is what the cross is all about. This is what communion is all about and reminds us of. We are not like the worshipers, the prophets of Baal of the ancient scriptures. 
who had to shout and yell and, and cut themselves to try to get God's attention as if God were distant with his back to his creation and we're all down here groaning for attention. That's not the picture that Paul draws. He draws this incredible picture of believers aware of God's presence in the world through Jesus Christ and resurrection power and groaning for a future hope and God showing up to groan with us. Often when we attend a funeral, we have an experience of, of pain and grief and we often meet that moment where our pains uh, bump into our ability to express things in words and, and we have nothing to say. We, we don't have enough words or the right words to speak to each other or, or to the family or to those who are grieving deeply. We come together and when we're not in a season like this, we often come together in scores and hundreds to celebrate a life. And if you've come to a funeral like that, you, you, you may have arrived and you, you chat with friends and you meet different people and you talk together and, and your sorrow and your grief is right there and, and we don't have words but it's framed up in the experience that we have together. And then we go into the church and we sit down and, and we wait. And, and, and just before the service starts, the family enters. And that's often a moment when our grief is framed up in a fresh and deeper and different way. We, we've been feeling the pain, but suddenly we see the family. We see the spouse or the siblings or the children. We, we see their love for each other and their brokenness. And we realize that, that their pain is even more than my pain and it frames up the way I am grieving. In this chapter that Paul gives us, Romans chapter 8, it's as if we are here in, in our pain and grieving and he wants us to lift the veil and to see that God comes into this expression of pain and suffering, just like the family entering the funeral. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and they are grieving with us. The Holy Spirit with, with wordless groans. The Son, risen and ascended and at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And God in His love and compassion, brokenhearted for the sins and pains of the world. It's as if we're sitting here in the midst of the grief and Paul wants to direct our attention to the family entering and remind us that our pain and our suffering needs to be framed up in view of what God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son are, are experiencing for us and with us. We don't groan in isolation alone. We groan in company with God. This is incredible to know that God enters into our suffering in this way. And this is what transforms everything. This is what the gospel is all about. This is what the cross is about, that God comes into our sufferings and frames up our experience differently, frames it up profoundly. And suddenly we are not alone. And then the reminder that we are not at a funeral, we are in a birthing suite. And the groans that emerge out of our confrontation and interaction with pain do not have to be the narrative of defeat, but can be the narrative of resurrection and hope and promise, the truth of a new life and the joys of an eternal kingdom. I want to take you back to that little alcove in the cathedral in Copenhagen. As you sit there and pray in the shadows, you will also notice a picture of a cross. And on that cross are written the words from Peter that say, bring your cares to, to God because he cares 
for you. Cast your anxieties on him because he is there for you and he loves you and he, he reaches to you in love. And, and on that cross, people can pin little notes. They can pin their prayers, just a name, just a scribble, sometimes a paragraph and sometimes just a, a simple idea or nothing at all as they groan in God's presence. Today, as we celebrate the communion meal, and I hope that you have some food and something to drink with you, can I invite you to, to bring your anxieties to the cross and to pin them there? Can I invite you to be mindful of the incredible gift that, that we have in the knowledge of the cross as, as God entering our world and suffering with us so that he could transform a funeral into a birth, so that he could transform our experience of pain that leads to death into an experience of groanings that anticipate the new creation. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread in the presence of his disciples and breaking it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'll invite you to take the food that you have and uh, just share it with those who are with you. And as you do, be mindful that Jesus in coming to teach came to give his life, to give it literally in, in the breaking of himself so that we could experience his presence in our suffering. This bread is the gift of God the body of Christ, which is for you. Eat it and celebrate how much God loves you. And the scriptures tell us that on the same night when Jesus was with his disciples, he took a cup of wine and he shared it with his friends. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're remembering my death until I come again. This cup is a symbol of the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you have something to drink, can I encourage you to take together as, as a group and to share and to be mindful that in this cup, we have the reminder that death is not the story that we are walking into. Life is the story that we are walking into. And we are invited to take the pains and the struggles and the groans of this moment, not to crush us, but to anticipate. We are in a birthing suite and God is with us. And to this, we say thank you and celebrate his love. Would you drink from your cup with a thankful heart? Romans chapter 8, the very last verse, has the last word, where Paul says that there is nothing in all creation, and you can make your own list of the worst fears and the worst troubles that you can imagine, nothing, he says, that will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I hope you will go often to a little alcove where you can spend time in prayer in this season, fervently and frequently calling on God, calling on him until you run out of words 
and all you're left with are groans. And that's the moment at which you can press in more profoundly into the presence of God. Praying until, until the cross itself becomes hope to you and you find yourself in a birthing suite to the joy of our loving God. God bless you.